Welcome back, everybody. This is The Baby Mamas, episode 18, and we're still here. (laughs) This is our podcast about getting pregnant as two lesbians. You don't. If you don't know that by now. You call yourself that, but you're not. You don't identify that way. It always confuses me. Because I don't feel like I need to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we have to say it at the beginning of every episode? Because if someone just tunes in. Who just tunes in 18 weeks in? I don't know, but if they did, then they need to know what it's about. Okay, well, people, if you're starting at 18, go back to the first one. <laughs> An update on what we're doing. We just, we did our first monitoring cycle, was it yesterday? I don't know. It was. Why are you asking me about days of the week? I don't know. Oh, well, we did it yesterday. So the clinic said to come in at 7 in the morning. No, they said to come in at 7.30, and we're like, okay, we want it to go quickly, so we'll come in at 7. And I had finished work at 3 a.m. So I was like, cool, not a problem. I'll go home and sleep for a couple hours and then we'll get up and go. Um, and Ange woke me up and I was like, no! I like instantly was like, what are you doing? I have an alarm set. She was like, she'd woken me up like, I don't know, seven minutes before I was ready <laughs> and I was so not happy with it. And I like walk into the bathroom with like one eye open and was like, okay. So then we make it to the clinic and it was like a concert. There was a lineup mm-hmm. in the hall, mm-hmm. probably of about 10, 10 or 11 people. Yeah. All there to get monitored. Yeah. We didn't know this because it was our first time, but they, like, do, like, group sessions where it's like, okay, everyone that needs to do it in the morning will come, and then everyone that does it in the afternoon will come at this one time, and that's it. But I totally was thinking about Sandra because she had a story about how they had to do that. And same thing. Everyone's, like, queued up. You're all, like, in a line. And then, of course, that one person walks up and, like, stands where they're not supposed to stand, and you're like... You fucking bitch! If you st- <laughs> if you try and cut in line, I swear to God. And she actually didn't try and cut in line, but there was a woman there with her with her son, which I was like, "How dare you bring a child here?" <laughs> Why is how dare you? Because it's like because you're in just our face. you're just showing everybody what they want and can't have yet. What I didn't realize was that it was an internal <laughs> ultrasound. <laughs> and Jackie actually said, "Is it an internal mic? An internal ultrasound?" And I I was like, I hope to god not i have my period gross i know i was like but how are they gonna there's look no at- way they would want to stick something up there yeah and then we get into the room and they're like go take out your tampon we're no gonna stick something in you first we get into the room and they're and then they just walk out and we're just <laughs> sitting there like um i was like i think you're supposed to get undressed and just like i don't know she like instantly walks out to the hallway is like i don't know what i'm doing which <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so funny. And she, like, the doctor comes back and she's like, oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, so if you're wearing a tampon, just go take that. I'm sorry. You guys, it's just going to get gross. Every week it's gross. <laughs> so we're talking about blood and tampons. So she had to go take her tampon out, come inside, take your pants off and your underwear and, like, just hang out pantless. And then the doctor came in and stuck this weird probe in my vagina, checked out my ovaries, said they were fine. I think he was hitting on you. 
was he? What did he say? That we'd met before. He said, yeah, he's like, we've met before. And she was like, no, we haven't. And then he was like, you have beautiful eyes. No, then he said you had, you had lovely eggs. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> it's like, back off. This is my woman. <laughs> he actually wouldn't even joke with me. I was trying so hard. And this totally reminded me of Sandra's story of this, too, because I was, like, trying to joke around. And he was just like, mm-hmm. I was like, fuck, man. It was 7 in the morning for him, too. I Yeah, but come on. you got to, like be a person still right like i know this is like a serious procedure and like everybody's fragile but like can we just banter a little that's how i deal with awkward situations yeah and then they're like okay so come back in 10 days which was fine but i feel like my period wasn't that heavy and then whatever they did like pulled the plug (laughs) or some (laughs) thing because after that it was like Never-ending torrential downpour. But thankfully, you had the foresight to be like, I'm not going to go to work today. So you had you had an Angie self-care day. I did. I needed a mental health day. Yeah, this week has been really like an emotional roller coaster for some reason. Which is weird, because we didn't do anything fertility-wise. <laughs> like, wait, why am I sad? There's nothing being like taken away from me or like put inside of my wife or like, I don't know. It, it felt like... Like, why, why are we having feelings if there's nothing happening? <laughs> oh, because it just becomes like, it feels like everything in your life is just about this. So when something isn't, it's kind of weird now. Yeah. Which sounds strange because we've only been doing this for, I keep saying only, but I guess we've been. We've been trying to get pregnant for over a year because we started with our known donor in November last year. Yeah. That's true. And I counted it up. Five of our friends have gotten pregnant and then had their babies in that time. Fucking Those assholes. Fucking bitches. <laughs> How dare you be ahead of us? <laughs> anyway. That's fine. That means once we're it's broke, fine. we're going to have a baby and we're going to be completely broke because of this whole process. You have to give us all of your hand-me-downs. That's what we need from you, friends. So, yeah. So, that's where we're at. Ange took her first dose of Letrozole today. She said she feels middle schmertz. Middle schmertz. Which just sounds weird. <laughs> I don't know who uses that word. It just basically you can, like, feel things happening in your, like, ovary area. Because the eggs are like, oh, hey, what's up? Something's happening. Oh, yeah, and you said you had, like, a massive blood clot yesterday. Ew, Jackie, (laughs) stop it! Why? Every time! Because I think it's hilarious. I already said that I had, like, a torrential, like... Carry situation. That was so funny, though, because she was, like... She had, like, a little, like, a coffee cup, like, from... (laughs) She was like, it was that size... (laughs) And I thought she meant the size of the entire cup. I was like, that is not a clot. I think you had a baby. She's like, no, the lid. Anyway, let's move on. Move on from your blood clot? Yes. Man, you never let me have any fun. All right, we're very excited today because we have a very old friend of mine on the show. Jenny is here. Hello. (laughs) So Jenny has, I think I've definitely talked about you already on the show. Um, She's... One of the non-queer people that we know going through this. I feel like I need to talk in, like, CBC, like, (laughs) she's not queer. It's okay, people. (laughs) Anyway, so Jenny's dealing with this whole fun uh, fertility thing. So do you want to give us a little bit of backstory about you and your your vagina? (laughs) Sure, I'd be happy to talk about my (laughs) vagina. Um, You know, we actually sort of started actively trying around this time last year, too, so we're in a similar boat. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact... Today is one year from when I first got pregnant, but I had a chemical pregnancy. Mm. Um, I just remember the moment like so well because I was supposed to give this big presentation to our whole department, and it was re- it's like the scariest thing I do all year. And they called me five minutes before I was going to give my talk, 
And they were just doing routine blood work on my day three, kind of like what Ange just did. And they were like, you're pregnant. And I was like, ooh. I'd had, I guess, oh. like, I thought my period was, I guess, implantation bleeding. Oh, so ooh. I had the surprise and I was really excited. But then it turned out the next day, the next day they did my beta was going down. So they called it a chemical pregnancy. How high was your beta? I was trying to remember. I think it's in like the 50s, something like that. They were like, it's not really as high as it should be. Like, I think they like to see like 100. Right. So it wasn't quite where it should have been, which is why they had me repeat it to make sure I was going up. Your first time trying? Uh, Yeah. Well, we, I had not had a period for about a year, so we would have liked to have been trying, but I knew that if I wasn't having a period, there was no eggs coming. So right. mm-hmm. I didn't really count that as trying time. Yeah. Well, you're still doing it. You're just pretty sure there's not going to be a result <laughs> <Yeah>. you want. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I was able to ovulate on my own, so I was super excited. But then I started doing the monitored cycles with the clomiphene, uh, I guess like February. So I did two rounds of that, and then I got pregnant, which at the time I didn't realize was like actually pretty great because I didn't know what the odds were of conceiving no one told me this 18 to 20 percent I think I thought it was like 50 or something really high so I remember each time I would go in the nurses would be like well hopefully you'll get pregnant this time so I I thought maybe that was actually like supposed to happen Mm. so the second time I got pregnant and that was really great um and then I miscarried at 12 weeks um so I, you know, I took a little bit of a break and then... How was that? That must have been so hard because that's like the, that's like the point when you're like, once you're past 12 weeks, you're fine. Yeah. So you it must was, have... It was like a week before I was going to sort of tell everyone. Oh, um, so the the one good thing about it was because I hadn't told a lot of people, I got to control who I would tell about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up probably telling way more people than I thought that I would want to tell because it's like, it's so hard. Like I was devastated and I just mm-hmm. wasn't myself. And I felt like I needed to tell people why, because otherwise they would just like, not what's understand. What's wrong with you? Yeah. yeah. It was, it was the hard, I, I think it was one of the hardest things I've been through actually. Well, that's um, going to be such a hard thing to say to somebody because what are you supposed to say? Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then you hear that however many times and you're like, yeah, me too. Like, it just sucks. There's, like, nothing you can say to make you feel better or... And then you almost feel bad that you're giving other people sad news, you know? You're like, I'm sorry that I'm no longer <laughs> pregnant. I'm yeah. sorry it's upsetting sorry, to yeah, you. Yeah, I'm sorry it's so hard for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, almost everything people say is not helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, my mother-in-law, bless her heart, she said, you know, well, this is just, you know, this is just nature's way and this is just kind of you know it's better that it happens this way but I was so upset when she said that to me I was like how, how dare you like you, you mm-hmm. just don't understand mm-hmm. like how I'm feeling um I think that's I think I don't know I think about this because um the fact that it's not something that anyone really talks about as like it is part of it's a totally normal part of trying but that yeah. when you don't know that it feels like it's the worst thing in the world I actually was thinking about this and I'm scared that we're going to have a miscarriage. It, like, kind of worries me. Yeah. I think that's actually the hard, like, the hardest thing about going through this again is knowing that, like, one part is just getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. But the next thing is, like, can, I, can, pregnant. I, yeah, can <laughs> I stay pregnant? And so right now I'm just trying to, like, take one thing at a time. But I am actually terrified of getting pregnant because I know that I have to sort of go through that again. And I know that I'm going to be more anxious about it. And mm-hmm. Even so with that pregnancy, I, I was super sick. So I actually thought that was a good thing. Like I was really nauseated and like couldn't eat much. 
Um, but I did have like some weird sort of pains here and there. And I remember, you know, telling my doctor about it and they're like, oh, it's probably nothing. So if anything like that happens again, I'm, no, I'm just going to like overanalyze it. It's not it. nothing. <laughs> totally. Give me a scan. Do something. Look at me. Tell me everything's okay. Yeah. But, you know, I think when over time when I did realize that a lot of people didn't talk about it and I would sort of share it with, a f- you know, started with like a few close friends, I was amazed at how many people were like, oh, yeah, I've had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the I was working with another another woman about the same age as me who was, we were just kind of overlapping and she I was taking over her job and she was leaving and she had just had a miscarriage like four weeks prior and had went through all this monitoring and lectures all herself and then another like wife of one of my colleagues like also had just had a miscarriage around the same time so I I, I was actually like shocked at how common it was Mm -hmm. and it just yeah it made it feel less isolating and like I was because I I think I felt like this was this great injustice like I remember having my like seven week ultrasound they're like oh your chance of miscarriage at this point is less than five percent and I was like how can I be like that five percent but when you look at like the overall numbers it is so common and it just makes it feel less like there's something wrong with my body and that I'm never going to be able to like have a successful pregnancy so I think it's good in those moments to remember that if you'd if that I don't know if that had like lasted maybe your kid would have been really sick or had birth defects or you know like it I don't know that it's helpful to think about that necessarily but I don't know never mind (laughs) (laughs) no but I I think the hardest thing about hearing like oh you know it's for the best and like this is so common Mm -hmm. is like it's really invalidating but it's also true yeah Yeah. so I think that's the hard part that doesn't make me feel better it's like yeah but that's that's a fact I, I know a lot of women like will have miscarriages and then just can't do it again like it's like it's I don't think there's anything more vulnerable than trying to do this like everything everything you do in your life is all about this and you feel like I feel so like so much of us are like okay so you know I'll go to school and I'll get a career and then I'll have a baby and I'll have a family and that's my plan and that's yeah. like you know obviously a lot of people don't want kids but the, for the people that do, you just kind of take it for granted that it, you, you can do it. I remember my dad always said to me, he's like, stay in school. You have lots of time to have babies. Well, he was fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, dad, I should have, like, tried to get pregnant when I was 18. That would have been so much easier. With some weirdo. <laughs> yeah. So do you have an a condition or something? No. Is so that a really insensitive way to ask? No, that, like, no, it's fair. Like, <laughs> why, why, like why, why do I have problems getting pregnant? It's no, like no particular good reason. First, they said it was the pill. If you go off of that, it can take a long time for your cycle to normalize. And I took the pill for a really long time. And then and then I was running quite a bit. And then they thought, so maybe it was related to the exercise. And then I stopped running and things didn't really sort themselves out. Now I'm probably quite stressed. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why the, so I did f- four more cycles. If I did two of clomiphene, yeah, two of clomiphene and then two of letrozole and Eventually, both of them stopped working, so I, I didn't ovulate with it. And they think it's just because, like, stress kind of overrides what the medication's trying to do. Um, do you feel like that's a cop-out? Yes, and it also might be a bit true. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Jenny's had a lot of change in her life in the yes. last little while. So. How do you avoid stress, though? It's just like... I know, it's like, oh, don't do that. Don't it's be like, stressed. Can you just, like, stop breathing, please? That would yeah, make things so much easier. Okay, I'll just... Gotcha. Have you done anything, like, lifestyle-wise to try and manage stress better? So I, like, despite the fact that they told me running could be not helpful, I've just started running again, and I feel so much better. Mm. I'm like a border collie. I'm just better if I can run, and it Mm -hmm. just makes me happier. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of it is kind of was external, and I couldn't really 
or exert that much control over it. So I just felt helpless. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. I can either quit my job mm -hmm. so I couldn't afford the reproductive stuff or I can continue to do my job and then, you know, keep going with the treatments and just kind of like progressively do more invasive stuff. Mm -hmm. So were you on Clomid just for like the same reason that we were just kind of like to regulate your cycle and try and get your chances up? I also I I didn't regularly ovulate, so for me it was like actually getting me to ovulate. Okay. Um, and so did they do triggering? Did yes. they do the trigger shots? Yeah. yeah. So I was really interested when you said that it didn't increase your chances of pregnancy. I was like, oh. that's only if you're already ovulatory, though. So they were just saying if you don't oh, okay. ovulate, if you already ovulate, making yourself ovulate when your body's already ready to do it doesn't improve your chances. But if you don't ovulate, it totally obviously does. Well, the clomiphene should make you like it should make you ovulate on your own and. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I did the same thing, the peeing on the test strips, um, which drove me bananas. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I would surge on my own and sometimes I wouldn't. So I think if you don't have an LH surge on your own, then you give yourself the trigger shot and it's supposed to, like, get like, them to, like, it release creates the egg. A, it creates a surge on it. Oh, okay. Triggers the surge. I guess that mm -hmm. makes sense. Did you, have you felt really emotional throughout this oh whole thing? I am okay today because <laughs> I have been... Uh, like not running to the clinic for like the last six weeks. Mm -hmm. It's been like an emotional roller coaster, especially with each successive treatment that doesn't work. The disappointment is greater, of course. And then mm -hmm. the last cycle, I didn't even ovulate with. So I like I took the letrozole and I did all like I was going every couple of days and waiting in line and doing all of that. And I didn't even ovulate. So I felt oh. like I'd done all the oh. work and I didn't even have like the 20 percent chance. Get the chance. Like the last time I, le I left the clinic at like eight o'clock in the morning and I cried myself all the way to work, which is about half an hour in the car. And I called my, I called my partner and he, he was just like, I don't even know what to do for you right now. He's like, do you, like, do you need me to come get you? He's like, I don't know how to help you. You're so hysterical. Like I just, mm -hmm. every time you say you don't know why you're upset, I totally <laughs> yeah. just like, I do. It's just such a dysregulating experience. You're like yeah. working so hard at something and you have to be hopeful. And at the same time, you don't want to be too hopeful because you don't want to be disappointed. I saw this YouTube video of this woman. It was a TED talk, actually. And she was talking about trying to get pregnant. And she started when she was like 40 or something. So she had a lot of different issues. Anyway, she described each unsuccessful cycle as like getting closer to like an edge, like a cliff. Like every time you're taking oh. a step further closer to just losing it and completely just like yeah losing control and losing everything that you've wanted and you have worked towards i think that's a really great analogy mm -hmm. because it it speaks to the emotional like it feels like the stakes are higher every month the the emotional stakes the the financial stakes the physical like the the time is running out and your money is running out and your emotions are raw and it d that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, and you're either going to go put over the edge into nothingness, or something's going to pull you back. No, I feel like, like I feel like over the edge is like lava, like hot, <laughs> angry lava. Because that's how I will feel if I cannot have a baby. I will just be angry and miserable and bitter. So how long ago? <laughs> Isn't <was> that positive? <laughs> how long ago was your miscarriage? Uh, it was in June. In June. Okay. Yeah. How long and did it take you to kind of? I don't know how you like recover, but like how did how long until you were like okay, I'm ready to start so trying again? I I thought it would take the the whole process of getting referred and getting seen. So when I did it in Ontario, the whole process getting to see the fertility specialist was like six months. So I think what? Yeah, it took a really long time. 
So crazy. I think I had to have surgery for my miscarriage because I was far enough along. So I think I had that on Thursday. And like the Friday I saw my family doctor and I was like, I want a referral. Like, you know, I know oh. I'm going to need treatment. Like, let's just get the ball rolling. But then I was able, like I was seen at, at the, the clinic, like the end of June. And then I started, started a clomiphene cycle maybe beginning of July. But I probably should have taken more time, but I was starting work at the end of July and I knew that would stress me out. So I kind of just wanted to get all the like the clinic visits and all the early mornings over with before I started my new job. Mm-hmm. Um, in hindsight, I probably should have taken a bit more time because I just didn't have the reserve. Like when things like progressively didn't work out, I yeah. think I was just more of a mess than you would expect. Mm-hmm. I know. I think we've had that conversation too because Ange feels like if she's not doing anything, it's like worse you know so that's the other struggle yeah. you know, they, they say take time off and so when I first saw the doc at the end of June she said I actually think you should take the summer off and when I was with her and my partner because he was like I really think you know I'm worried about you and I agreed to take time off and it wasn't it was probably another week and I was like I'm getting antsy like I just have to mm-hmm. I actually feel worse wasting time and exactly. wasting time I could be doing something I could have more control so mm-hmm. I called in and I was like I know I said I wasn't gonna start but I'd really like to and they eventually accommodated me um it's really hard to wait it is that's what part of the reason that it didn't work with our known donor well obviously he moved away but <laughs> was because he wasn't here all the time the months that we couldn't try made me insane oh yeah. my god I was like way worse than anything she's been since because there was n- there was complete helplessness right there was absolutely nothing we could do because even if we even if we'd been willing to go to him just the nature of his job you ca- we couldn't even get at him it was that was really hard and it's absolutely not his fault it's just sort of you know the nature of the beast i guess yeah. and beast she was oh my god like i was <laughs> honestly there was moments when i was like i don't know if we can do this like this is way harder than i thought and i was like if we can't if this doesn't work and we have to go the like clinic route and have to do the fertility treatment i don't think i there've, there's been so many moments i think throughout this that i've been like i don't know if we can do this but now that we're in, I'm kind of like, we can do this. It's not that there's even a question of whether we can do this. It's like, we're doing this. So we have to figure it out. Just like every other shitty thing that we've had to deal with in our lives. Mm-hmm. That it's like, I don't want, you know, I didn't want to have to deal with your mom almost dying and in a car accident, but that happened. So you deal with it, right? So that's kind of how I'm approaching it now. So I think I'm less apprehensive because I've just like dug in now. I'm like, okay. So how did you get to, you're doing IVF now? I am. How did you get to that? decision. So I was really excited to come in here and tell you guys how the decision was so clear for me because I I know that I don't know if it was the last episode or the one before you talked about like how do we know when it's time to give up the clomiphene and the monitored cycles and the IUI and go for the big guns of IVF Mm -hmm. and I thought I had it all figured out. (laughs) So I went and saw my doc maybe three weeks ago and the letrozole wasn't working anymore. They'd already switched me off of clomiphene. So basically, essentially, like, the treatment wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And I was emotionally, I was just... When I say I was done, I didn't want to give up, but I was so... Couldn't handle the, like, uncertainty (sighs) or the... The, And the disappointment, it was... I just... I didn't want to cry all the way to work every day anymore. I just, like, (laughs) I knew I couldn't sustain that or I was maybe just gonna, like, stop getting out of bed. So... I was like, this is clearly the right decision to go to IVF. I know it's going to be really expensive. The major decision for us was whether to add the extra money for the genetic screening, and we decided on that. So I went yesterday to the clinic for my IVF kind of exam that they do before you actually start with your drugs. So they start with, like, the internal ultrasound, and I just, like... Lovely. It's it's a treat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Makes you feel so attractive. 
Oh, I just, I think I've had, like, 50 or more of them now. <laughs> like, they're actually, like, very, like, worried when they're, like, we're going to touch that you on the outside. Of I'm just, like, stick it in. Let's, like, let's <laughs> yeah, get yeah. this on the, like, the show on the road. And it felt, like, a bit weird yesterday. Like, I had some pain on my left side, and I just, like, I don't know. I just, and sure enough, like, I had a dominant follicle yesterday, like, pretty much ready to go. Nice. All on my own without any medication. Wow. What the hell? So exactly, like, what the fuck? Um, What do they do then? So they kind of ignored it a little bit. Um, (laughs) Like, we don't need that. (laughs) Well, so she she was like, so I had my doctor, which was nice, and she's like, oh, you're doing stuff on your own now. And I was like, yeah, hmm. And then she kind of, she, she answered some questions that I had about the IVF, and then she scuttled out. And then I was, like, knocking on her office door afterwards. I was like, well, what does this mean? I was like, should we try and have sex? Because could I get pregnant now? And then what would that mean for everything else? And she basically just told me not to have sex, and, you know, we'll just sort of, like, proceed on with IVF. And I still do want to do the IVF. Mm-hmm. But now... Why not have sex? What's that going to do? Is it because then they wouldn't get paid? Well, so I'm so before you start IVF, you they give you three weeks of the birth control pill before you start to kind of like suppress all your hormones before they start giving you exogenous hormones. Mm-hmm. So I said, like, w- would it be bad if I got pregnant and I was on the birth control? And she's like, well, it wouldn't be great. So I kind of felt like she was just saying like it would just simplify things if you just didn't try. Hmm. Huh. That's not awesome. So now How I do just you feel about that. I don't. I don't know. Now it's just complicated. Now I just yeah. feel like I thought I kind of knew the answer and I was going to say, like, you just know when you know that you should move on. Like, it just feels right and you're too, like, hopeless that everything else hasn't worked. And now mm-hmm. I feel like... Well, crap, oh. now I could maybe. Yeah. I'm like, am I spending $15,000 when I don't really need to? So I don't know. Now I feel really ambivalent and a little bit... Uh, wow. So I'm you're sure. not on anything right now. Nope. But you're I ovulating on your own. Yeah. Maybe right now. Maybe right now, <laughs> yes. Huh. I feel like you should go home and have sex constantly and see if it can happen. Like, why would it... So they, they, they told me not to. I'm still going yeah. to and see. Um, and then I'll, I'll take a pregnancy test. I don't start the injections for IVF until Christmas Eve. Mm. So, so you'd probably know. I'll know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll know. That and would it, be so kind of... I don't know, ironic or something? I don't think that's irony. I don't know. It would be something. <laughs> it's <if> something. <laughs> like, no, no, don't do it. Don't, don't, don't. I know. And then you're like, did it. Exactly. I, I, it. I feel like it would be too nice. It would be a market. Christmas <laughs> miracle. It would. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of awesome, though, because then you'd be like, okay, can I have that money back, please? But yesterday they gave me like a whole shopping bag full of stuff. Inject like syringes and these like things called q-tops or something and uh, all the alcohol swabs and all of that so i'm i'm leaving it all completely intact just in <laughs> case but i suspect i'll probably need to use it but okay. i guess do you feel like you're afraid to get even a little bit of hope up yes. about this yes yeah totally in my mind i'm gonna start injecting myself on new year's or christmas eve and that's just that's, that's what, what we're going doing. with mm-hmm. and Have, if if something else happens great bonus have you, what are the side effects of these injections? Mm. So the doctor said that they're overall well tolerated. <laughs> Other, well, I, I, that sounds like doctor speak. <laughs> I know. I felt like she was making it sound too easy. Mm. It depends. I've talked to different people. Some people say they, it makes them really irritable and like they want to kill everyone. And, and other women have said like, it's really actually not that big a deal. And I just felt a little bit tired. Mm. Um, so I think it's hard to 
separate the stress of like getting up every morning and doing this and the, and the expectation and the hope from like the actual medication. So mm. yeah. I actually make a point of not reading any of the side effects from any of the medications because I know I'm really somatically focused. And if I read it, I'm probably going to experience it. So I just don't read it. And That's how I felt today when I was taking Letrozole. I was like, I should look up the side effects. And then I was like, don't. No. There's no point. Don't just like it. you shouldn't watch Mayday, you shouldn't read the side effects. I think that's a really good... Yeah. I think every time Ange tries, I'm going to be like, Jenny doesn't, <laughs> so you shouldn't. <laughs> I just, I'm anxious. I know it's going to make me more anxious. Yeah. If, yeah. if having information makes you feel less anxious, then great, but I'm just not one of those people, so... It's funny, because I was talking to my mom about this, and she is convinced that she has fertility problems, and I was like... Hmm. Mom, let's look back at your history. (laughs) So she got pregnant um, with her. She has been married three times. She got pregnant with her first husband and then had what she thinks was like a chemical pregnancy or the way she described it was seeming to me. what you had. Yeah. Yeah. And then she got pregnant like boom, boom, boom with my brothers. They are Irish triplets. Like they are... (laughs) Less than 12 months apart. All of them. All three of them. So, like, that's hyper-fertile in my mind. Yeah, and then got pregnant again less than 12 months after my third brother, uh, but then ended up having an abortion because her husband didn't want it, whatever. And then got pregnant with me, like, 10 years later, and then got pregnant after me. No, got pregnant with Ange when she was almost 40. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like she's super fertile. Yeah. yeah and then she but thinks also that got she's pregnant not. after she had Ange. We're like, you are not you have no but it's because when she was first with her husband, he was she was like eighteen and he was forty. So mm. she couldn't get pregnant with him, so they told her that she wasn't fertile. And I think that that's just stuck in her mind, even though w- she has had children with two other men. So she's always had many obviously him. pregnancies. Many pregnancies, like yeah. more than most people have in their entire life. Like it's, yeah, it's I'm like, Mom, that makes no sense. She's yeah. like, ah, oh. Yeah. It's fine. Like, no. she would probably be able to get pregnant now, knowing your mom. <laughs> you know? Like, although she thinks uh, sex she is disgusting. Oh. There's nothing in there to house oh. a baby. Right. Um, how has it been for <laughs> your partner? Has he been stressed and hopeless and helpless and all the things that we feel? Or is he, like, a steady guy? I think sometimes I don't ask him <laughs> what he's thinking or feeling. And actually, so I brought him to the clinic yesterday with me because we had to sign, like, 10 consent forms Mm -hmm. and so he he was sitting next to me when they did the what is it hsg or Mm -hmm. whatever and he he just looked really panicked and i was looking in his direction and i was like hey can you look (laughs) at me like you're freaking me out right now and i could tell he was just like really so i i just left it and i when we were talking about it afterwards he said well the last time i was with you having an ultrasound was like i think was the day that we found out that i miscarried Mm. which actually is not totally true. I think there's been other ultrasounds, but I just, like, he, I didn't realize how traumatic it was for him and, like, how difficult it must have been. And I think, you know, when when adverse things happen, I think, like, because it's my body, I think people look to me and, like, worry about how I'm feeling, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think I realized how hard it had been for him. Well, that was his baby, too. Yeah. yeah. Or wasn't it? Angie we brought her here to reveal a big secret we're taking a bit of a turn in the direction of this show we're thinking more of like a Jerry Jerry Springer Springer style (laughs) but yeah Yeah. so so did he say like like was there much of a conversation or is it just sort of like oh wow like this is hard for you too yeah I think I just I sort of said you know I 
I don't think I think that much about how it is for him because I just think about how hard it is for me, which is terrible. No, I think that's just like the nature of it, though, because it's so all consuming that it's sort of hard to think outside of what you're dealing with. And, you know, sometimes I do feel really resentful when I'm getting up at five in the morning and he like rolls over and I'm getting up to go to the clinic and doing all this stuff. And like it is so like it is so much about like my body and and what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, He can't do it for you. No, he can't. Did he have to get a whole bunch of tests? He hasn't too? had to do much. Like, he had to provide a sperm sample in the previous clinic we were at, which, I mean, like, how hard is that for you? He's <laughs> like, I get to go look at porn and jack off. Like, how hard is my job? I'm <laughs> yeah. um, like, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his his sperm's fine? So far we know yet. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking when we went to the clinic yesterday and I saw dudes there. I was like, you're going to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a guy waiting in the in the waiting room yesterday and he was waiting there for a really long time and finally the woman came to get him and I was like how how awkward would that be if that was your job to always get the guy and like escort him to the porn room like mm-hmm. that like you're inter- I don't know I just if I you had to do even, that all day every day I'm like yeah. I just I don't maybe it becomes less awkward I don't know I can't even picture because it's such like a Serene looking building and the office. It looks are like so, a like, spa. There's like a bounce. Wow, wow. Yeah, and then like, there's like a porn room in there. It's like so weird. I just picture being like the walls are just like coated. Ew, no, they need to get it in the cup. Oh, right. They don't just like spray it in the wall and then leave. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking more of like a gay bar. But yeah, I think working in fertility would be really weird because you're just like sticking things in vaginas all day, getting people's sperm. Escorting people to porn rooms. No, but we asked. We asked one of oh, the yeah, nurses. Yeah, they rotate, right? Yeah, they rotate. But she jobs. said that they rotate. She was like, "Well, we do IUI, and then we do monitoring. So it's really all about sticking things in vaginas." <laughs> well, yeah, you're. Well, duh. It would just be where so else are they going to stick things? <laughs> no, it would just be weird to have that be all you see all day. You know when you have like work dreams, and my work dreams are like about like paperwork and dumb shit like that, they have and then paperwork. they have like s- like. Theirs are going to be about giant vaginas, like, coming to eat them or something. <laughs> I don't know. When your work dreams, are the is the paperwork coming to eat you? No, but you know when you have those <laughs> dreams? Oh, my God. Never mind. Okay. I, crickets, love. Crickets. Whatever. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Day residue. Mm. <laughs> Just makes its way in there. Yeah, yeah exactly. They must have dreams about vaginas. They have to. Yeah, I guess. How did you tell your family that you were having fertility issues? Like, was it a hard thing to say Mm. out loud? I'm trying to remember. I think it must have come up in the context of, like, my mom repeatedly saying, like, oh, we're really looking forward to having grandkids. And actually getting, like, so frustrated to be, like, actually. We're trying. We are, but, you know, we're doing everything we can. It's just, like, not working. Mm -hmm. I don't remember that being too hard. It was more hard telling my my Mm -hmm. mother-in-law because I'm... Like, like not as close to her as my own mom, and so it is like like a more personal kind of vulnerable thing to share with someone. Mm-hmm. But again, I think it was fraught out of like, oh, I remember last last fall we had called my mother in law and sister in law because my grandma was in the hospital and we needed them to do something, maybe like go down to the hospital. Um, and his sister, we left a message. His sister called back and said, "Oh, well, you hardly ever call. You must have good news. You're pregnant, aren't you?" And it was like. I, I, like, cried for, like, 15 minutes, and I was so angry. I was like, how how could you say something so insensitive? And then I thought, well, actually, we haven't really told her that we're having problems. So mm-hmm. a lot of the sharing initially with family was, like, born out of this. They can't be, like, sensitive or helpful if they don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it probably came up 
and and I actually didn't do the sharing. I said to I said to Josh, I was like, you need to have a conversation with your mom and sister. I was now that I look back on it, I'm like, I should have just had the conversation myself, but I was just too upset. And yeah, but if you can't, I mean, that's I think that's understandable. I mean, I didn't, I did, definitely didn't talk to Andrew's mom about it. No, well, but it's not that not having issues. Well, yeah, I was but yeah, but that was still there's like an education that needed to happen that's still like is hitting a brick wall when you talk to her because no, she she's won't. Been, now that she's more stable, mm-hmm. she's been really supportive. Actually, I was talking to my friend today and he was like, is it really hard for you to like be so open and vulnerable on the show? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it is, but I feel like it's a, it's like a healing thing in a certain way because I don't feel shameful about the way I feel. There's no like, having a really hard day like I can't tell you why you know like I, I, I'm just very open about it and it's kind of been a little bit freeing yeah I wish that I was able to talk about it more at work with my work people they know like a certain amount of people know what we're doing and I've filled them in but I wish that I could be like like the other day I was having a really hard time and I was like crying mm-hmm. and I wish that I could have said to my boss like that was so rough I just found out one of my f- friends is pregnant and I'm having like a day and she just like descended into like (laughs) sobbing and I was like babe it's okay like you don't have to go to your office Christmas party she's like I do I was just there they're not gonna understand I'm like lie (laughs) you know if you don't feel comfortable telling them how you actually feel just lie you don't need to be there and she I like pulled her into the bedroom and like made her lay on the bed and was like doesn't this feel better than having to get up and go and pretend like everything's fine right now when you feel like the world is against you and she was like, I have to go. I have to go. She actually <laughs> did go. And she was like, they ha-. she sent me a message when I was at work and was like, there's wine here. It's helping. <laughs> it's like, okay, good. It does yeah. help. It did, For me, just like everything else becomes secondary. I'm like, mm-hmm. how you're feeling is so, it's just so much more important than all the other shit, you know? And if you're not feeling okay, then you can't, your body isn't in the, the best state, right? I just try so hard to like help you. Why is infertility and getting pregnant something that no one's allowed to speak about? I just feel like it's something that is just, at least I presumed it was something my body was just going to be able to do. And Mm -hmm. when initially when it wasn't, I thought it was like there was something wrong with me. Like I wasn't meeting some like expectation that maybe society has, but also something that I just expected was going to happen. Like Mm -hmm. just, I just thought it would. Yeah, because why wouldn't it? And it feels so much about what it is to be a woman, to be able to bear children, even though I realize that's crazy and like, Mm I just happen to have want to have kids. One one of our really good friends told us that they were trying to have kids and they said, "Well, we we're trying to have kids, but if it doesn't work out, like it either way, like it doesn't really matter to us. Like it's which I don't know if that's true. If it is f- true for them, mm-hmm. I'm really jealous yeah. because I wish that you could it could just be something. It. Yeah, yeah. you could be like this is too complicated. Let's like go to Italy." Yeah. 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 I just feel like that would really take the pressure off. It would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the crazy thing is that wanting it less would make it easier to have. Yes. And that's so just unfair. one of those like great injustices. I don't know that there I I can't picture a point when we're willing to give up on it. I just can't. And we don't we shouldn't even be thinking about that right now. We're not even close to there. And you're not either. But it's just it's like so painful to think about. I think because you like I've spent my whole life knowing I was going to be a mom, knowing I was going to have kids, knowing I was going to have this family, I was going to have all these experiences and so it's not like you're losing right now you're losing your entire future if you can't have it <sighs> I don't want to cry because <laughs> I probably would 
I really just want to get pregnant. I really want you to get pregnant, <laughs> and then I want I to, and then I'll get pregnant, and then we'll everything we ever wanted will have happened, <laughs> right? Having a baby is gonna fix everything. I know. Sometimes I wish I could enjoy more, like you know, the friends who say like, "Oh, we're just gonna enjoy this time we have," and you know, because kids are I, my friends that do have kids. I do see how it changes their life, and sometimes I'm like, "Oh, you know, like we can't go out anymore," and you know, it really does change your life. Why can't I just enjoy this time where like I can go traveling if I want? Well, actually, when you're doing fertility treatment, you can't just travel anytime you want. But no, <laughs> I could. You know, I could do all of these things that I otherwise wouldn't be able to, and I get so focused on just wanting to have kids that I feel like I can't even enjoy this time which I I get what you mean I think I feel like we've done a good job of that but I think it's not it's not intentional it's because we can't afford to do anything so we're like oh are we just hanging out the two of us tonight at home again okay I guess Mm -hmm. I guess that's what we're doing that's mostly what we do too yeah but I mean you had your Portland trip you went to Whistler like doing some fun things it would be harder to do with kids so yeah Yeah. I wanted to know if Jenny was on any diets or fertility things or anything like that i went to this meeting group with a bunch of women at the fertility clinic and they're all espousing like oh you need to have avocado or there's some sort of like seed or nut i never even heard of so i don't even know where you would buy it Mm -hmm. and no like uh, i'm a woman of science i want evidence (laughs) and Mm -hmm. none of it's backed by evidence and to be honest like if it makes you feel better to do those things like by all means do them but like yeah. For me, I just don't have enough, like, yeah. faith in it, so I just don't bother. So that's how I feel, too. Like, sometimes I feel bad for not totally going 100% all in with all the stuff and, like, I don't know, drinking kale shakes every day or whatever it is. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, it's so much work, though. But then I'm like, but you should put in the work. Season. I'm happy if I can eat three times in a day, like, mm-hmm. find time to do that. I don't obsess that much about what I eat. It's just too much for me. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know, I just, for us, like, we're trying to take the, like, most, oh, this, I don't want to, I don't want this to sound judgmental, but we're trying to take the most, like, level-headed approach, and we also very, like, put a lot of our trust in science, so for me, if it's not science-based, I'm not, I don't care, I just can't, and, like, this is taking up enough energy and effort, and it's, like, I think that's it. do yeah. I really want to add more stuff on here, like, yeah. having, like, a macrobiotic, like, whatever, fuck it, I just, I can't, I no. can't, I can't get wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. If I can wake up and get my ass to the clinic first thing in the morning and do all of that, that's like really all I can handle. Take all the pills mm-hmm. you're supposed to take, and yeah. that's enough. Yeah. Pee on the sticks, and yeah. What else do you want? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. <gasps> so you're starting your treatments Christmas Eve. <laughs> Christmas Eve. Did they teach you how to like poke yourself? It's actually not that bad. So I was worried. I got all my information about IVF injections from Charlotte on Sex in the City, and she had to get hers and her bum. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was like an intramuscular injection and someone else would have to give it to you. It's not. It's just uh, it's like a subcutaneous injection. So basically, you like, just grab a bit of fat anywhere on your tummy, and you just stick the needle right in, and it's like mm, maybe like a quarter of an inch long. It's not very long. Mm. And you just stick it in. It doesn't look that bad. In fact, it's the, tri- the, it's the same as the trigger shots. If you ever do those okay. with your monitoring cycle, it's the same. Okay, hmm. cool. It's not too bad. And then you have to do that once a day? Once a day. You have to do it at the same time every day, apparently. It's very key. Between that five and really seven. Hard. I just want to say this is so cool because Jenny and I were friends a million years ago, and really to cool. get to reconnect over this has been really awesome. I've really enjoyed listening to you guys, and <laughs> you're witty and smart and all the things other people have said, but you're also really brave for sharing your story. I know that it's you see it as being therapeutic, and I know it probably is, but it also takes a lot of courage to talk hmm. about 
like such personal things about yourselves and and your emotions and what it's been like on your relationship because I feel like you guys have just put it all out there you haven't like sugarcoated it (laughs) it, there's not really anything left to hide at this point (laughs) I'm just gonna start posting pictures of my (laughs) hey you've heard about it that's for me that's only for me and trust me people (laughs) you're probably all so jealous after hearing all the gross parts well thank you yeah. I'm glad that you... How did you hear about Jackie's Facebook? I think so. Hmm. Yeah. I, th- I was like, what is this? And then, I, and then I listened to the first one and I was hooked. It really... It's, it's, it's such an alienating process, even when you tell people about it, but to hear like other people going through it and that you're not the only one is like hmm. yeah. really helpful. Have you gotten the like bitterness towards pregnant women where you're like... Oh my God. I, I've actually just stopped feeling bad about feeling angry. <laughs> <laughs> I Good. like that. I like that. You have to. No. I think, like, there's just no way. Like, even when it's good for other people, mm-hmm. it, c- it can be two different things at the same time. It can yeah. be great for them and really shitty for you. And you can be yeah. happy for them and hate them. Mm-hmm. Both can be true. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. I feel like I have gone in the other direction where I'm just like, I'm just going to surround myself by my friend's children because that's going to fill yeah. my void. So I've spent a lot of time with my ki- my friend's kids. and yeah. I don't mind the kids. It's the pregnant yeah. people. Yeah. When I have to walk past, I, I work at this clinic and there's a maternity clinic right next to it. I just like, I'm okay now, but for a long time, I just couldn't even look at them without feeling this inner rage that yeah. I couldn't, I felt so uncomfortable. Mm. I thought, why do I feel this way? Okay. I heard this story. It was on, if you ever listen to uh, podcasts and you want to hear one about medical history, there's one called Sawbones and it's this doctor and her husband and they just go through like weird old stories about how they came to like find vaccines or how they or came like, to this or like that they used to use trepanation as like yeah. a th- or like leeches or like just like weird old you know stuff that we know that now is like crazy yeah let's just drill a hole in your head that's gonna fix your problems <laughs> so it's it's super interesting but there was this one episode recently that was this woman and she had such it must have been like the 14 1500s because they kept talking about how the king would send his men to go and do this stuff anyway and she wanted to get pregnant so badly that she, like, went into, like, crazy... Psychosis. Like, psychosis started putting, like, dead animals in her vagina and then calling the doctors to come so she could, like, give birth to them. And then she would take, like, pig's bladders and stuff and stick them inside her and birth them. And she did this for, like, a really long time, and doctors couldn't figure it out. How did she not get some sort of infection. infection. They thought she was genuinely, like, giving birth to bunnies and, like, baby cats and stuff because (laughs) she was dreaming about them. That's what the diagnosis was. (laughs) She was dreaming them into reality? But really, she was just, like, this hysterical woman who couldn't get pregnant. Don't use the word hysterical. That's not correct. She wasn't hysterical. She was having a psychotic break Mm -hmm. that was basically completely untreated for probably her whole life. So once we start sticking dead animals in our vaginas, we'll know that we've gone (laughs) truly insane. (laughs) You're off the cliff. Yeah. Yeah, Any listeners, you hear us talking about sticking dead animals up there, you should intervene. She was sneaky about it, though. She would have... Because then doctors started watching her 24-7 to be like, what's happening? And she would get this, like, page boy or whatever to, like, sneak her in these so, dead animals. Oh, they were dead. Okay. That yeah. was my, yeah. Okay. And then they kind of started to figure it out because they started doing autopsies on them and they're like, wait, in this rabbit's intestine, it has like hay and like grass. It so it was obviously have gotten alive. that from the womb. <laughs> anyway, so convoluted and so disgusting and so weird. So. Does that make you feel more sane? Yes. Where I was going with that is like, 
<laughs> wanting to get pregnant can <laughs> make, make you, you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It can yeah. And at least we have options like she did not. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, got options. Animals. I'm surprised they didn't call her a witch and burn her. I don't know. I can't. I can't remember how. It, I think she just died. <laughs> I should like actually. This is this is your dose of sunshine for the day. <laughs> no, but Jenny is actually looking very hopeful, and I feel like, I mean, it's it's the big shiny. It's the IVF. It's the Gotta very very works. very good chance. Did they give you the sixty-seven percent? They did. Oh, and I asked something yesterday, which I thought would be interesting. So that's per transfer. So mm-hmm. if you get say four good eggs out of it, that's. You're the 60 to 70 percent is per embryo transfer so mm. for our age they would only transfer one at a time so if you had four you'd have four goes at it so it's 60 to 70 percent per embryo mm-hmm. so it's it's good yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. so do you guys have some baby names or is that too it's personal I, I i like i i can't so my balance of like being hopeful but not like protecting myself from disappointment i can't I can't, can't go there yet. No, mm-hmm. I, I'm like very one step at a time. So I haven't, I haven't thought about it yet. That's very logical. That's probably very smart. Mm-hmm. I'm still stuck on Searsha, guys. I can't get I it like out of I like that one. Head. I know, I, but I can't. Like, I, it's the wrong, it, I can't, I can't <laughs> use it. It's too hard to spell. You Nobody can't will. fuck society just because it isn't spelled the way that we think it should be. Yeah, but I don't want my daughter to be like, it's, no, it's Searsha. No, I know that's how it's spelled, but it's pronounced. No, I know, but <laughs> no. Okay, your name's Sirsha, so is that S H E E? No, it's S A I O. No, A I O. You know, like I just can't. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you name your kid. There's going to be like then you have a common name, and there's like six people in your class with the same name, and that's also annoying. So that's true. I don't know. I guess maybe if I love it this much, I should just accept that it's a name I want. Yeah, or you could put it as a middle name, and then it's not as. She wouldn't have to spell it as often. Mm, that's true. That's, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the name Willow? No. I like that. I don't know. I like it, but I don't. You love willow trees. I thought you would like that. It's true. I do I love like willow it. trees. It's pretty. I can love something and not want my kid to be named after it, though. I still, I really like winter also. You still do? I do. I've been a winter. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I think it's a cute name, and I think Girl would... or boy? Girl. What about, okay, Sterling. <laughs> Actually, that's really nice because that's where your mom's from. Yeah. That's actually kind of cool. Sterling for a boy or a girl? I was thinking boy. Mm-hmm. So that's all for today. Thanks to Jenny for coming and thank you all for listening. See you next week. Let's just not do the podcast at all. <laughs> the Baby Mama's Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Baby Mamas podcast. Make sure to like them on Facebook and give them a great review on iTunes. Have a good day.